Welcome to Orbital Times Podcast, and hello to everyone, whatever part of the globe you're from or happen to reside in. My name is Kelly Joe, and here we'll provide armchair conversations gathered from interviews and research reviews to explore the seen, the unseen, and the in-between of the supernatural paranormal phenomena, with topics that circle around spirit orbs, NDEs, OBEs, UFOs, time slips, mystical moments, higher consciousness, and more. I hope that this cast will be our meeting place and judge-free zone where we can explore, learn, and grow through the telling of. This cast will be launched on a monthly basis or a bi-weekly schedule whenever I'm able to make contact with those in the know for their telling of. Speaking of those in the know and the telling of, have you had mystical moments or other supernatural paranormal experiences? Care to share on this cast? Then consider stepping into the light with your telling of or send in your monologue for me to read on this podcast. Simply email orbicaltimespodcast at gmail.com for a chance to contribute to this cast. This second episode will circle around Orbology 101, Spirit Orbs, and more. It's all in the name, or is it? I'm located in Canada, where for the most part, orbs can have different identifiers, such as ghost, angel, ETs, and other names like, well, for example, I tend to use spirit orb. The word orb denotes a circle, a spherical shape. I am going to explore some hypotheses pertaining to orbs, such as who or what orbs might be, why are they here, what might the different orb colors signify, and why might they be making an appearance. Orbs have been predominantly identified within photographs, usually seen as either transparent, translucent, or an opaque orb of light. But after two years of using my preferred method of capturing orb images, that being video, I think that the name may be a bit constrictive, since I have witnessed and captured on video orbs that morph into many shapes, the illuminated shape shifters that they are. A side note, I hope to keep this cast a commercial-free zone. In light of that, please consider subscribing to my YouTube channel. Simply type into your search engine, Orbital Times, and you should see both my channel's name, Spirit Orb Sightings, plus that of my webpage, orbitaltimes.com, which will also grant you access to my YouTube videos and other webpage content. If you've already subscribed, many thanks. What might orbs be? I believe orbs are a manifestation of some type of energy. What exact type? I'm not sure. Quantum physics equates that everything in the world has its own energy frequencies. I've heard that orbs consist of electromagnetic energy, but which part of the electromagnetic spectrum would that consist of? Since there is a low to high frequency, the longest to shortest wavelength. Others believe that orb energy consists of plasma. I have read that plasma is the stuff that stars are made of and consists of both negative electrons and positive ions and is, according to Plasma Science and Fusion Center, the fourth state of matter along with solid, liquid, and gas. 
just as a liquid will boil, changing into a gas when energy is added, heating a gas will form a plasma." End quote. I do hypothesize that orbs can somehow manipulate energy, as in orbs making my motion sensor and cat toy light up, and then perhaps absorb that energy to the point of draining the batteries on said devices. Although usually thought of as round, orbs can also elongate, twirl, and swirl. They can be big or small. Some can be seen with the naked eye or in a video or photos. I've seen orbs in all those ways. They float, fly, hover, move fast or slow, expand and shrink. They can appear and dematerialize through walls, floors, ceilings, doors, mirrors, and even people. I have captured on video orbs splitting apart like a Pac-Man, moving like something I call slinky. And as of March 2022, I have video of a beautiful feather orb entity, which you can now see on my website, orbicaltimes.com. Some consider these visitations paranormal or supernatural. I know that I've had paranormal experiences prior to the start of their visitations, which I dust over in a previous podcast. Question, what, if any, is the connection to other paranormal, supernatural, mystical events in our lives? I am curious to know if there are commonalities amongst those of us that experienced orb visitations. If you are having or have had an orb visitation, have you additionally seen, say, a UFO or have encountered paranormal experiences? Let me know at orbicaltimespodcast at gmail.com. The arrival of orbs preceded my UFO sightings, or at least I was only aware of them after that fact. Yes, that's right. There it is. I said it. Although the event of seeing UFOs is in itself perhaps not that interesting for some, and highly doubtful to others. I find myself interested in the possible connection between seeing UFOs and my now daily visits of orbs. I know that I have had paranormal experiences prior to the start of their visitations, which I will explore further in future podcasts. But first, I am going to focus on the more segment for this episode. Debunking the debunkers. Well, why bother? Some believe in ghosts, but do not believe orb images to be anything supernatural. Some of those believers seem to display a perfunctory manner, debunking such images, stating them to be the result of backscatter, dirt, dust, rain, etc. Which, to be sure, there are probably many images out there that contain just that. This leaves me wondering if those type of debunkers have ever encountered real orbs. Just because we can't see them doesn't always mean they are not there. For over the last two years, I have encountered orbs on a daily, nightly basis in my home. I thought it might be the result of an energy in and around the house. But when I was away in April, the hotel room that I was in had orbs. I captured some of those experiences on video and will be downloading in the near future entitled Hotel Haunts, well, just spirit orbs.
videos show orbs moving towards the camera, stopping and or redirecting their flight path. Anyone can see, although when orbs are in my room, especially in the bedroom, they seem to create a cloudy atmosphere. My videos of orbs demonstrate that orbs can change their shape and speed, density, direction, and their color in mid-flight. As usual, I leave it up to the viewer to decide. As previously noted, orbs can sometimes appear in photographs. Could all such images really be the result of camera's flash location? It may be easy to mistake dust for orbs, especially since the flash torch is so close to the lens. Easy to mistake, unless you know what to look for. If you'd like to know what to look for, head over to my webpage, orbicaltimes.com, and there you can view some of my YouTube videos and images of orbs that capture their different shapes, from traditional sphere to a feather type of orb, and view how some change color, shape, and size during their flight. Video is my preferred method of capturing orb images, but then I don't have any other more sophisticated equipment, just a cell phone, and not a very good one at that. Nevertheless, the orbs don't seem to mind. Speaking of capturing spirit's image, Spirit photography, although I find it interesting, especially the history of early American spirit photographer William Mumler and his wife Hannah, who herself may have used the daguerreotype method to assist in her husband's infamous spirit photos. I will not, however, be exposing any more light on that topic in this episode. Catch the wave. In the 1800s, there were instruments that could capture different wavelengths of light and produce still images, which surely must have been thought of as turning the unseen into the seen. Since technology could capture a living person's outer and inner image, then why could it not capture spirit? At the beginning of the 19th century, the British polymath Thomas Young worked for many years to unravel the mysteries of light. Although at the time, Newton thought light was the sum of tiny particles, a stream of corpuscles, Young thought that light consisted of waves because of refraction and diffraction, like a waveform. In 1802, Young conducted an experiment, now referred to as the double split theory. He directed a beam of light from a narrow slit in a window pane onto a simple apparatus. I'm going to guess 0.787402 inches wide. <laughs> received two slits in it, which divided the incoming beam of light into two overlapping beams of light, which resulted in an interference pattern that only waves can produce. Quote, so then, as noted in Britannica video referenced in this episode's notes, waves of light ray meet a barrier, so then part of the wave is blocked and the rest of the wave is allowed through. Diffraction occurs because the waves are steered around the barrier creating twin light sources, whose rays, when they overlap, will add and subtract from each other, behavior only possible of a wave. The results contradicted Newton's theory. There are many different types and lengths of waves. If you'd like to see a chart or read a bit more about light waves, please visit my website to read Catch the Wave. After Young's discovery, a new law stated that light can consist of particles and that light behaves like a wave. Light is both a wave and a particle. And, as Britannica video states, thus, and this part I like, the wavicle was born.
From film to first generation digital. Prior to digital cameras, photofilm had to be extracted from the camera in order to process the film. If orbs made an appearance within the photo, you'd only know after you've received the developed film, which could take sometimes days or weeks. Even later on with the development of instant film, if orbs were to make an appearance within the photo, usually you'd never know until the film was developed. The scenario of having to wait to see if orbs are in photos only after film development is almost obsolete. Now, one can see their photo almost instantaneously, and if orbs are present, see them in real time due to today's technology. Today, most people have access to digital devices that have the capacity to take video and photos, and many have captured what they believe to be photos of orbs. Cell phone cameras have the flash or the torch located close to the lens, which can allow for dirt and insect, water and, and the light to reflect off the flash and into the lens. When that happens, it can create backscatter, and those images are sometimes misidentified as orbs, unless, of course, one knows what to look for. From light waves to light levels. Before you begin taking photos or video, you may want to consider the ISO setting of your camera. The higher the ISO used on the camera, the higher levels of light obtained. ISO is not an acronym, but stands for International Organization for Standardization, a non-governmental organization that develops and publishes international standards, such as camera sensitivity to light. Apparently, you can change or adjust a camera's ISO setting, thus adjusting your camera's sensitivity to light. These settings have a direct relationship to a camera's sensitivity. A lower setting makes the camera less sensitive to light and will produce a darker image, while the higher the ISO, the brighter your image will be. Which ISO setting is best? I guess one might consider something referred to as the exposure triangle, which consists of three variables, aperture, shutter speed, and ISO, which affects how the camera captures light. According to Mr. John Aldred, ISO is only applied after the sensor is being exposed to light. It has no effect on how much light is hitting the sensor. He states that only shutter speed and aperture will affect exposure in that way. The only way to get better exposure is by slowing down shutter speed or opening up the aperture. That information had me trying the different light levels on my video cell phone. When the room is dark, I now put the light level up higher, which allows me to see more orbs. Let there be light. As noted, light travels and moves in the form of waves. There are many different types and lengths of waves. Although not the first to experiment with light, quote, Newton was noted to be the first to understand that white light consists of a mix of light rays, each with a different color, end quote, Canada under the stars. He did this by allowing sunlight to pass through a prism, thus splitting the light beam to reveal different colors and order separation of color known as the spectrum. Some waves may be short and visible to the naked eye, and some waves are longer and invisible to the naked eye like infrared. As an example, our eyes, our brain, cannot see into the infrared spectrum, but a few animals can, such as snakes or fish, insects. They use certain organs or proteins. Technology continues to make the invisible 
visible. And your cell phone camera is a good example of that. If you'd like to know how your cell phone allows you to see infrared, please visit my website, orbitaltimes.com, and read There's More to It Than Meets the Eye. A neat little experiment, which many of you may already know, but it's a simple example of how technology allows the invisible to become visible. Now, unintentionally or not, images of orbs are being captured using night vision and infrared technology. However, just because you can see something does not mean it is there. I guess there is an argument for seeing is not always believing. Due to today's technology enhancement through CGI or computer-generated imagery, perhaps it's a good thing then that I have what some might consider to be an antiquated phone. Well, in regards to the video technology anyways. might orbs be? And why are they here? Are these entities from other dimensions dropping in to help or guide us? Or possibly just say, hello? Perhaps they are angels or the spirit of a deceased loved one. Maybe guides manifesting as orbs, surrounding us and assisting during milestone events, or just because. Do you consider their appearance paranormal? a spiritual event, or perhaps something else? And should that consideration be universal? For now, I think of them as dualistic. What, if any, is their connection to other supernatural, mystical events in our lives? I know that I have had paranormal experiences prior to the start of their visitations, which I dusted upon in a previous podcast. I suppose that the assumption of orbs visiting during pivotal events may have manifested due to orbs that have seemingly photobombed during celebratory events. Phototaking now can occur for, well, no special reason in particular. Additionally, the quantity and quality of images has and will increase with technologies, providing opportunities to observe orbs in different types of circumstances and environments. Like for instance, drinking a cup of coffee I'm just saying. To see me having coffee with spirit, check out my webpage video section, Inside the Orb. Some believe that orbs contain geometrical designs and faces of guides or loved ones. I have images which show a square inside the orb, a pattern that is visible, at least to me. I don't know what these geometric designs represent, but I know that they exist. The image that I'm referring to and that you can see on my webpage is an image I took in my bedroom. The orb showed up as a flash or a sparkle in front of the dresser, which I saw with my naked eye as I was filming. Additionally, some believe that they see faces and some believe those faces are those of guides or loved ones. You can view an image that I call looking back. I'm not sure who this image belongs to, but it feels familiar. Is this image a case of pareidolia? I'm not sure. As usual, I leave it up for you to decide. Orb identification. Many websites provide charts describing orb traits and characteristics associated with certain colors. As an example, black orbs are sometimes equated to evil entities having a low vibration, and green orbs may represent nature Blue orbs are angels, guides, 
and a red orb is an angry spirit. Up until now, I'm acquainted with browser results that one finds when searching for the meaning behind orb colors. As an example, there are orb color charts that signify certain characteristics, moral valiance, traits, temperaments, all color dependent. Some believe that orb colors are indicative of different spiritual beings or entities and equate different colors to coincide with different divinities, such as blue, representing the identity of an archangel, or attributes that color with power, protection, and courage. I'm wondering who came up with the orb color charts, which show corresponding colors that match up to various attributes. If you know, let me know. No matter what part of the world one is from, colorful language may have always existed but certainly not the language of color. Quote, there was a time when there were no color names as such, and that not very remote in many cases, when the present color words were terms that could be used in describing quite different qualities, including gay, lively, smart, dashy, loud, gaudy, dull, dread, deary, tarnished, well, you get the idea. If you are interested in reading how color names develop and about the peoples that only have three words for color, then take a look at my website and read my blog entitled Orb Colors, Quest for Clarity. Here is an excerpt, quote, colors like gravity have been around for eons, However, the categorizations for each have not. Initially, the word black was a descriptive word, and it meant blazing, burning, and was thought to be pronounced, well, I won't try that one. <laughs> the Wobes, and I hope I pronounced that right, from Ivory Coast, also known as Jewel of West Africa, apparently have only one word for three colors, brown, blue, and purple, end quote. Question. How should one interpret orb color charts if one lives within a culture where colors denote a different type of symbolism and or attributes? This leads me to believe that the orb color charts are not universal. Mind you, I never heard that they were or that they weren't. My concluding observations clear blue orbs. Was that my spirit guide or my angel? I don't know. Perhaps I wasn't sensitive to receive such impressions at that time. Since then, I have seen orbs in all different colors. I do not definitively know what those colors represent for me. I have seen with the naked eye flashes or twinkles of light, tiny spark-like anomalies. But then I noticed that I had also captured within a video that same spark. What I can say is that orbs have different colors. I have seen orbs change colors. So I'm wondering, what does that say about the hypothesis about color and meaning? Could orbs then be changing mood in mid-flight? I'm not sure if I prescribe to the orb color chart or not, but I have come across a book which discusses orb colors and the spirits that wear them. I think I'll leave that for a future podcast episode. Each orb has its own level of illumination. Some look like feathers. Some have wings. Some appear to have several orbs attached to one another. I have seen something that I've termed seahorse type of orb. Never been able to get that one on video, which was so frustrating. 
until that is a couple of days ago, or something very close to it. I have seen many different orb maneuvers, and one in particular that changes from an orb to an orb with wings, and then splits open and transforms into an illuminated caterpillar type of entity. It's a fantastic sight to be sure, and you can see it too in the near future. I think I'll be entitling that one Metamorbphasis. I captured back in 2021 what I call a slinky orb due to its maneuvers, and you can see that on my webpage. And there was another one that I appointed the title Pac-Man Orb, and that one will be available soon. I would like to keep this cast a commercial-free zone. In light of that, please consider subscribing to my YouTube channels. All my orb videos are available by using the handle at Spirit Orb Sightings, or visit my new channel with the handle at Orbital Times Podcast. If you've already subscribed, many thanks. For blogs, episodes, show notes, bios, images, and video, please visit www.orbicaltimes.com. If you enjoyed an episode, then please give a like or a share on Anchor, Spotify, Apple, or whatever podcatcher you happen to use. If you've already done so, much appreciated. Thank you for taking your time to visit these Orbical Times. Orbical Times podcast is written, produced, edited, and hosted by me, Kelly Joe, at Studio Spare Room.